Okay, let's go ahead and get this party started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, Miller Frost, here as always with my delightful friend on the other side of the room, white boy Malcolm X. And happy belated Halloween to you, sir. How are you doing today? I am doing well also. I am for, for I guess, what, two days out, three days out from the elections? Tuesday. So two days out. Wow, crap. And it ain't going to end there, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Next Sunday, we're going to have one hell of a show. But I don't really talk politics here. Uh, I do a little bit. I, th- I thought about doing a, a special election day show or whatnot, but a lot of people are doing that. And I, I, I quite frankly, I'm, I'm kind of politicked out right now. I'm just like, okay, let's just get, let's just get Tuesday over with and we'll clean up the mess come what may on, uh, on Wednesday. I mean, I had articles, I printed them out. Uh, here one, here's one, uh, from Bloomberg cities gird for election day unrest. And of course it's about militia activity, which we all know is white supremacists. And then I had a political story, they're afraid, they're buying guns, but they're not voting for Trump, and it's out of Austin, Texas, and it's about liberal pajama boys buying guns. So we'll probably in about, what would you say, white boy Malcolm X, two, three weeks, we'll hear a lot of stories out of Austin, Texas, where dopey millennial you know, hipster kids are blowing their feet off by accident because they're, they're playing with their guns. Yes, yes, of course I'm doing the gay stuff first, because, ladies and gentlemen, last month was queer history month and it just ended at midnight yesterday so we white boy malcolm x and i we didn't know about it because that's how self-loathing we are at least i am so we didn't know about queer history month so we only got one week to celebrate it so i'm going to put the gay stories again at the front even though it's not technically queer history month just because we can kind of still continue to celebrate it because we miss so much of it so let's go ahead and, and we're just going to jump right into the crazy. And this is a Philadelphia gay news story. And remember last week, White Boy Malcolm X, I said, I was telling the audience not to worry because after we did uh, a couple articles on systemic racism and white supremacy, I said, don't worry, folks, we will have we will have articles next week because that's what they do every week. They just come out. We have a, a fresh version of the same story. And we have that again today. Philadelphia Gay News, and the headline is, Racism Runs Deep in Philadelphia Gayborhood. So even the queens in Philadelphia are racist. Racism is alive in every American city. No place is immune. And folks, when they say no place, they mean no place. Like last week, we determined that San Francisco, which had to pass a Karen law so black people can sue their white neighbors who call 911 on them. We determined with that article that San Francisco is the home of systemic racism. And that's where they get it from is because all these white liberals keep calling the cops on their minority neighbors. So, of course, we know here at the Miller Frost Show that racism is alive in every American city. But let's pick back up on this. Despite Philadelphia being one of the most diverse cities in the country, systemic racism has been and continues to be a major issue which affects all communities, including the LGBTQ community and its gayborhood. In 2016, Daryl Piano, and that is an absolutely fabulous name, wouldn't you say, white boy Malcolm X? I'm Daryl Piano. He was the former owner of the gayborhood bar Eye Candy, and if you don't know what that is, it's probably some little Twinkie bar where if Kevin Spacey were in town, he would certainly be there was caught on videotape saying a racial slur. 
After news of the incident spread, the Philadelphia Commission on Human Rights held a hearing for LGBTQ community members to discuss issues of racism in neighborhood nightlife and nonprofit organizations. Many people spoke of the culture of racism and patterns of racist behavior that they encountered in the community over the years. Following the hearing, the PCHR published a report summarizing the various testimonies and requiring that bar owners and certain nonprofits undergo training on Philadelphia's Fair Practices Ordinance and Implicit Bias. Racism and African-American erasure in the neighborhood has far deeper roots than its 40-year history presented in this article. And folks, this is quite a very long article, so they're documenting the hell out of this. Tyrone Smith, a black gay man and longtime community activist in Philadelphia, told PGN that the neighborhood was built over parts of the Underground Railroad. They're the people that were black folks here in the city of Philadelphia that had been kind of a race, Smith said. And this article goes on and on and documents a lot of that stuff, but we're not really going to discuss that. I'm not really going to read it. But, you know, I, I actually had two points. First, White Boy Malcolm X. What I find interesting, one thing I find interesting is that you can be white and you can be gay and you would think that the gay would get you out of the, being called a racist, but no. And, and if you think about... This is like the third article in, what, a month or so, uh, maybe a month and a half, where they've kind of targeted white gay men. So you've got all these racists in the neighborhood running around. You've got, you had the, the story about all those white queens in London who were, were buying up all the prep and, you know, systemically being systemic racist because all the people of color in London couldn't get their hands on prep and that made them more susceptible to HIV. And then you had that very long article about all those white queens in Atlanta who couldn't stop, you know, packing, packing themselves into bars without masks on during COVID. And they were blaming all the white, white queens for spreading, spreading the COVID down there. But, but this is kind of funny in the sense of, you know, all those prissy, gay, sanctimonious liberals that like to lecture the rest of us. You are just a racist, and you're just a homophobe, and a sexist, and a bigot, and you're so intolerant. Yeah, so are you, buddy. So are you. Okay, next article, and this is from Vice. These trans candidates could make history this election. I'm getting to that, white boy, Malcolm X. Calm down. When Sarah McBride was growing up, the idea that she could run for office as an openly transgender person seemed so impossible that it was almost incomprehensible, she recalled. But slowly that seemed to change. In 2013, her home state of Delaware passed a law banning discrimination based on someone's gender identity. In 2016, McBride, who'd become the White House's first trans intern under the Obama administration in 2012, became the first trans person to speak at the Democrat National Convention. And in 2018, Danica Rome became the first openly trans legislator to be seated in a state legislature. All those life experiences, I think, demonstrated to me that, increasingly, we can have a seat at the table, said McBride, who currently works as the National Press Secretary for the Human Rights Campaign, the country's largest LGBTQ rights group. And it's also my favorite professional gay organization. But it requires us to fight for it and work for it. But I increasingly saw that with that effort, we can make sure that more voices are including, including trans voices. McBride is one of 21 openly trans candidates now running for state and local office in races across the country. 
In an election year that saw more than 1,000 LGBTQ people run for office, the most ever, according to the LGBTQ Victory Fund, the only national organization devoted to electing LGBTQ people at all levels of government. And I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's a Vice article and it just goes on for way too long and it does highlight a lot of a lot of candidates. And here, I'll give you one, just, just to give you the flavor of the article. Taylor Small, a Democrat and Vermont Progressive Party candidate who's running for a seat in Vermont's House of Representatives, said that her identity as a trans woman rarely comes up when she's out on the campaign trail. Instead, voters want to talk about the issues on which she's built her campaign, fighting for a single-payer health care system, defunding law enforcement, improving mental health. But Small, who's expected to win one of the two open seats in her district, knows that she's breaking the mold. Here in Vermont, and probably across the nation, we see legislative bodies that are typically majority white, majority wealthy, older, cisgender, and straight, said Small, who serves as the Pride Center of Vermont's Director of Health and Wellness, where she works at the Vermont Health Department to confront health disparities facing the LGBTQ community. A cisgender, white, straight man is never asking himself whether or not he should do this thing. It is the expectation that he can and will. And so for marginalized folks, we always run into that question of, if I can do this thing, am I able to do it? And the answer is yes, you are, and your community will be there to support you. So there you go. And that is, that's basically what this whole thing is about. And you know what else is about? It's about just a bunch of liberal Democrats. And you know, white boy Malcolm X, you know who they forgot? Second week in a row, two articles, they both forgot the one person, our favorite transgender candidate here on the Miller Frost Show, Aria DeMezzo, is a transgender Satanist, and she is running, folks, as a Republican for the, uh, some sheriff's position in New Hampshire. And this article, just like the last one, couldn't bother to mention Aria DeMezzo, which I just think is just a shame. She's my favorite. I'm going to sneak into New Hampshire and vote for her just to, just to see what happens. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go illegally vote. I'm not a Democrat. More than 4 in 10 LGB Republicans suffer from internalized homophobia and wish they were straight. I think internalized homophobia means self-loathing. A new study has suggested that internalized homophobia is rife among LGB Republicans, with more than a third believing their sexual orientation is a personal shortcoming. A new study by the Williams Institute at UCLA School of Law used data from a five-year study on the health of LGB adults to look at the relationship between sexual minorities and political identities. The study found that queer Republicans were less likely to say they felt part of the LGBT plus community, less likely to be proud of the community, and less likely to view participation in the community as a positive thing. LGB Democrats were twice as likely as LGB Republicans to think it is very important politically active within the LGBT plus community. And that's, well, I mean, if you want to just break this down, right? Uh, uh, Republicans say they're less likely to feel part of the LGBT community because it's, it's just full of a bunch of flaming leftist activists. That's why. And who wants to be? And you know what those people do. You walk in, you want to talk about intolerance, walk into a, a gay bar, if you still can in COVID, and say, I voted for Donald Trump. And, and just and just watch Watch the, the love and acceptance you get, you get from them. Less likely to be proud of the community and less likely to view participation in the community as a positive thing. Well, I mean, if you look at how the community is, is portrayed in the media and you look at kind of popular, what is popular gay culture, yeah, I can say, you know what, I, I don't relate to that. 
And so I'm not going to be a, a wholly active participant in that. It's kind of that kind of that bar culture, that online hookup culture. You know, you look at the I always joke that a gay pride parade is just a white trash parade with just a bunch of gay people in it. It's 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 not any different. It's just not something I can relate to. I describe it like this. There are gay people and there are people who happen to be gay. And I'm I'm more in the latter category with that. I don't identify at first as gay. I it just happens to be part of who I am and the gay popular gay culture, I think, is 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 front and center your sexual orientation is is it and I don't want to be around a bunch of people where that's front and center all the time. It just it doesn't interest me. It's you know, I want to be out and about with people. I when I lived in California uh, with my ex, and we were together for for all that time. What was that? Uh, ten, ten and a half years. The meth junkie. Yes, white boy Malcolm X, the meth junkie. But he's over there trying to you know do, pretend to do a pipe. Uh, but most of our friends were straight, and it wasn't because we we hated gay people. We weren't self loathing in a in a true sense. We just we just wanted to be friends with whoever we liked and whoever we got along with, and they just happened to be straight people. We had some gay friends as well, but they weren't the kind of gays that you know everything was gay, 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 gay all the time. It was just. You know, it was just a very eclectic group of friends I had. I was very fortunate when I lived in San Francisco, then I lived in San Diego, and then in L.A., and we always managed to have just a very good eclectic group of friends. There was some straight, some gay, but no one ever talked about their sexual orientation. No one cared. Anyway, picking back up. While most LGBT Democrats and Republicans reported that they were out to those around them, 38% of the Republicans in the study said they viewed their sexual orientation as a personal shortcoming. On top of this, 41% said they wished they were completely heterosexual. Despite repeated calls from the Republican Party to allow discrimination against LGBT plus people in the name of religious freedom, that's folks, if you own a bakery and you are devoutly religious and you know a couple swishy queens come in and say, you got to make us a cake, and you say, I'm sorry, I just don't agree with that, that, that folks is discrimination, and those queens will sue the crap out of you until you bank- bankrupt your business. Anyway, picking back up, 65% of LGB Republicans in the survey agreed with the statement, most people where I live think less of an LGB person. The study's lead author, Ian H. Meyer, distinguished senior scholar of public policy at the Williams Institute, said, there is a common belief that the LGBT plus identity and Republican affiliation are incompatible. Although they represent a small minority, some LGB people are affiliated as Republicans. However, it is striking to find out how much they differ from sexual minority Democrats in terms of their connections with LGBT communities. Despite an outbreak for gays for Trump and Trump pride events in the final few weeks before the presidential election, Donald Trump's re-election campaign has published no policies whatsoever on LGBT plus issues. And I think that's already been addressed. I think what was it? Uh, an article. I don't even know if I did the article about Tiffany Trump. And she's like, my dad doesn't really care one way or the other. He's just completely indifferent. He doesn't look at people that way. So he's not going to, he's not, he's not Joe Biden. He's not pandering like, like Biden is. He's just, you know, you are who you are. And he has, uh, he's had some, some very prominent uh, gay officials. He had uh, Uncle Lindsay, what's his name? Richard Grinnell as, as the first openly gay cabinet member in an administration to Donald Trump, the, the horrible LGBT, you know, vicious homophobe who hates us and wants to get rid of us all, you know, does stuff like that. And to finish this up. During his presidency, Trump has so far attacked the LGBT plus community 181 times, according to GLAD's Trump Accountability Project, during the 1,377 days he has held office. And GLAD is my second favorite professional gay organization. 
And I did not even bother to go to that website. I can only imagine what those drama queens of Glad came up with 181 times. Oh, he was just, he did not acknowledge us as a community today. Well, you just better put that a tick. We'll just tick that down. That'll be 180. That'll be the 181st one. He's just going to, he's just going to get it. And that's why I don't relate well, folks, to the gay community, because it just tends to be kind of a bunch of angry leftists. Listen to this headline, White Boy Malcolm X. Speaking of angry leftists, an 11-year-old lesbian with blue hair was grounded for writing F. Trump outside houses with magazines until she went viral. A Twitter user has gone viral after posting about her little sister, Fiona, who was grounded for writing F. Trump, Black Lives Matter, and All Cops Are Bastards outside houses with magazines. <laughs> yes, they're so tolerant, folks. The viral post read, Y'all, so apparently my sister has been writing things like BLM, ACAB, which is all cops are bastards, and F Trump on the sidewalks in front of people's houses who have Trump signs, and this dude put up a camera to catch who it is. Imagine his surprise to find out it's a little 11-year-old lesbian with blue hair on a bike. She continued, My mom was hollering when he came angrily to the door in his MAGA hat and mask, explaining how, wait, a guy with a MAGA hat actually wore a mask. (gasps) Heavens explaining how he caught the culprit of such crimes. The 11-year-old had used sidewalk chalk, and although she was applauded for using her voice by her mother, she was still given a talking to about swearing and treating people with respect. She was also grounded. However, praise and support for the protest began flooding in, with one person responding, Ma'am, on behalf of a grown Latina lesbian, let me just say thanks to this little baby gay and that she doesn't deserve to be grounded for this. Sticking up for POC is very worthy, and the things MAGA stand for are far worse than cuss words. She just got to be careful to stay safe. That's right, folks, because you never know when some lurking police officer is going to come around and shoot her. Another wrote, if F Trump isn't the correct way to use F word, then I don't know what is. Eventually, Fiona's mum, Brandy, decided to reactivate her own Twitter account to clap back at the homophobes and to reveal LGBT plus Twitter had worked its magic. She wrote, Based on the latest Twitter response, it looks like hashtag Princess Fiona is no longer grounded. Hashtag the people have spoken. She added, we don't accept hate from any side. She screwed up. She knows it. She was devastated to realize she was making them feel like she felt. No, she wasn't. She learned the lesson that standing up for what you believe in is one thing. Tearing someone down to do it is another. Well, don't worry about that, Mom. Fiona's going to learn that lesson quickly. She will tear them down quickly. I have to say, this is absolutely wonderful reinforcement for the kid, obviously, that as long as she's targeting those right-wing, evil, nasty Republicans, that she can do whatever the hell she wants, and she might get grounded for, for two days, and that's it. That's for the extent of her punishment, targeting the political opposition with profanity. Way to go. This reminds me of the uh, White Boy Malcolm X, the teacher that, that had, had sex with a student and only got a week in jail. <laughs> This chick's out there writing, you know, F Trump, Black Lives Matter, and all cops are bastards on the sidewalk in front of Republican houses. And she gets a two-day two day punishment. Way to go there, Mom. This is from NBC News. Gay male penguins steal lesbian couple's eggs at Dutch Zoo. The gay penguins strike again. A pair of two male African penguins at a Dutch zoo who made international headlines last year when they stole an egg from a heterosexual couple have now stolen the nest of a lesbian duo, Darren Park Amsfort said in a Facebook post. 
Zookeeper Sander Drost told Dutch News that the gay couple is taking turns sitting on the eggs to keep them warm. But, Drost said, the eggs are likely unfertilized and will not hatch because they were laid by a lesbian penguin couple. Earlier this year, Drost told RTC Utrecht that the fathers were quite dominant. Every couple has a house in the residence, but this couple has appropriated two houses, he said. <laughs> those, those queens, those, those queen penguins are like... I just, we're just gonna have to have a summer home, dear. We'll just have, we'll just take, just take someone else's house. In November last year, the two gay penguins took an egg from a straight couple who had let their guards down. RTC Utrecht reported the egg failed to bear a child, and the gay couple have yet to raise a chick together. Most penguin species are monogamous for life and typically breed once or twice a year, said Marlene Zuck, a professor of ecology, evolution, and behavior at the University of Minnesota. Scientists do not know if same-sex behavior in penguins is common because all of the tiny creatures look the same in the wild, but Zuck said it certainly has been observed at zoos. This isn't the first time the same-sex couple has nabbed a chick or egg from another duo. This gets worse, white boy Malcolm X. <laughs> this isn't the first time a same-sex couple have nabbed a chick or egg from another duo. Another gay penguin couple at the Denmark Zoo kidnapped a... I tell you what, those... and you thought all the Euros were gay, all their animals are gay too. It's crazy over there. Another gay penguin couple at a Denmark zoo kidnapped a chick two years ago while its mother was swimming. The chick was later returned to its biological parents after the heterosexual penguins came looking for their chick. <laughs> and in July last year, same-sex penguin duo Rocky and Marmara made headlines after adopting a chick at Sea Life Aquarium London. The new mothers were in the spotlight again a few months later when their four-month-old became the world's first genderless penguin chick. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. I can't read any more about this insanity in Europe. My God. Gay, 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 gay everywhere. Okay, this is, I'm just calling this the World Gone Mad series. <laughs> so I've got a couple of articles. And the world has definitely gone mad. This is from Fast Company. Facebook's sweeping QAnon ban was surprisingly thorough. I checked. I got ejected immediately from Facebook last week when I tried to create a new group called QAnon Lives. Have you, White Boy Malcolm X, have you heard of these people, these QAnon, QAnon? I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a little bit. I, I, I mean, we'll get into it in just a second, but I, no idea. I, I think they had asked Trump about it, and he's like, I don't know. Let's pick back up. About 30 seconds later, I received another notice saying that my account had been restored and apologizing for any inconvenience. I am, however, not allowed to create groups for the foreseeable future. I was on Facebook looking for signs of remaining QAnon groups or content after Facebook's two-part crackdown on the group in August and October. In August, the company removed some but not all of the QAnon presence on its platform, banning or restricting more than 13,000 groups, pages, and Instagram accounts that discuss potential violence. After QAnon crowd worked around the August ban, Facebook in early October implemented a full ban on Q-identifying groups, pages, and Instagram accounts. And I guess... Now I know where Twitter got their, their ideas. QAnon is a, here we go, folks, is a digital cult that believes an international cabal of wealthy pedophiles who drink children's blood is conspiring to bring down the U.S. and form a world government. Holy crap. White boy <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with that. Wealthy pedophiles who drink children's blood and want to take down the u.s and form a world government mercy it believes because this continues an anonymous government insider called q is slowly leaking information on said cabal and is helping donald trump defeat it with the help of john f kennedy jr who is still alive 
So, if I understand this correctly, JFK Jr. did not die in the plane crash. I don't know where the wife is, but he's still around and he is helping Trump fight an international cabal of wealthy pedophiles who drink children's blood and want to take down the U.S. government. The group, finishing up this paragraph, began growing on Facebook in 2017, and then it got a major boost in popularity during the pandemic. I was not a member of any QAnon group, but I frequent adjacent groups whose members once posted QAnon-related material. And I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> what is a adjacent group to QAnon? You think that a group of less wealthy, maybe middle-class pedophiles? <laughs> and they don't drink the children's blood? They, maybe they just gargle it. I, I don't know what that is. Lurking around this week, I got the distinct impression that something had been ripped away with an almost eerie silence left in its place. Not only are the Q groups and pages gone, but people seem hesitant to even mention the name. It is a striking change for a company that has been instrumental in helping the QAnon delusion spread. After years of try, that's, I think, now that I think about it, White Boy Malcolm X, that's that Pizzagate thing where the guy went to like a pizza house and I don't know if he shot people or started shooting or threatened to shoot people, but he, I guess they wanted to to free the children whose blood was getting uh, drank. After years of trying to avoid totally removing offensive or deranged content from its site, which, quite frankly, folks, that's like 98% of Facebook, it appears to have swung far in the other direction to stop the circulation of a harmful idea. And I got really nothing. To... <laughs> I think I've said everything I want to say on QAnon. Um, if you believe that wealthy pedophiles drink children's blood and are out to take down the U.S. government, I would probably recommend getting a little bit of help but you know other than that i got nothing else to say but it does kind of tie in nicely <laughs> to my next story and the headline of this is tiktok witches are hexing the election this halloween and you know what i've said about tiktok people and it's just that i want to punch them in the face when i see them <laughs> and after reading that headline and after reading this article which I'm going to give you some of it. I'm going to stand by that. Mostly. I'm joking. I, you're not supposed to threaten violence. So I'm just, I, I'm actually, I do want to kind of punch them, but not literally. And, and this is a wired story. On Halloween, the moon will be full and blue. Thousands of witches and other magic practitioners will gather on social media and in person to cast spells under its glow. They will bring candles, the Justice Tarot card, a map of the United States, and paint. They will call on the spirits of the elements and their ancestors to raise a mighty blue wave to wash away the corruption and injustice and wickedness of Donald Trump and the Republican Party in a peaceful transition of power. Then they'll paint their maps entirely blue to ensure Democrat Joe Biden's victory. To members of the Magic Resistance, <laughs> this ritual, which you can find in full on Medium, is a spell to save America, so mote it be. President Trump put U.S. citizens in a magical kind of mood. The semi-ironic cult of Keck, a bunch of Pepe the Frog-obsessed edgelords native to 4chan, claims to have used meme magic to buoy him into office. The 2017 Women's March, shortly after his inauguration, which I believe is where they were wearing those vagina hats, and the Madonna with that vagina hat, she looked like a complete frickin' moron, even worse than she normally does, saw the return of protest witches, carrying signs with slogans like, We are the granddaughters of the witches you weren't able to burn. 
Since then, and for a variety of reasons, witchcraft and other forms of occultism have increased in visibility on the internet, finding online havens within mainstream social media platforms like Tumblr, Facebook, and more recently, TikTok. So yes, folks, you, if you believe in a wealthy cabal of pedophiles who drink children's blood and are out to take down the federal government, you cannot be on Facebook. But if you are a witch out to get Donald Trump, that's perfectly fine. You're okay there. You're all good. Mark Zuckerberg thinks that's just, and he's probably one of these, he's probably one of these witches that, that, that does it, him and his wife. Much of the magic you'll find on witch talk and elsewhere has nothing to do with politics. In fact, it's often almost indistinguishable from cottage core, an internet aesthetic that celebrates traditional crafts and women wearing long dresses and fields. But instead of drying flowers for tea or potpourri, TikTok's witch community is packing them into tiny jars with crystals and powders and sealing them with candle wax to cast spells. While there's always someone concerned about Satan worship in the comments, most of the conjurations cast on TikToks are more like self-care rituals. Over the past few months, though, spells of political defiance have been moving to the fore. The reason magic resistance and witch talk have become such a force is because of two intersecting trends in culture, said Michael Hughes, a magician and author of several viral anti-Trump spells, including the Blue Wave incantation. My, he's a very, very busy man. Young people are moving away from traditional religion and towards being more open and compassionate and inclusive of marginalized communities. Meanwhile, those new conjurers are being met with pro-Trump countermagics, though usually from people far older and less pagan. Throughout Trump's first term, they've been joined by many informal networks of magical practitioners in trying to halt the president by any magical means necessary. All summer, TikTokers cast spells of protection for Black Lives Matter protesters and hexed white supremacists. Now the 2020 election has the full attention of their magical online activism. Trump has been bound, hexed, cursed, exercised. People have sicked ancient Greek gods like Apollo on him. Speaking of witches. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kind of kind. I don't know what else to say about that. You know, I guess... They're not even kind and nutty. I mean, that's just full-on crazy right there. That That's just crazy. But speaking of witches, Hillary Clinton, sick to my stomach over possible second Trump term. <laughs> you see Hillary and Bill, like, hexing, hexing uh, Donald there. Former Secretary of State, Democratic presidential nominee, and let's face it, folks, a very sore loser, Hillary Clinton, said the thought of President Trump winning re-election makes me literally sick to my stomach on a podcast released Monday. I can't entertain the idea of him winning, so let's just preface it by that, Clinton told journalist Kara Swisher while a guest on her podcast. Well, because it makes me literally sick to my stomach to think that we'd have four more years of this abuse and destruction of our institutions and damaging of our norms and our values and lessening our leadership and the list goes on. Swisher, whose podcast is part of the New York Times Opinion Network, asked if Clinton felt any fear that Trump would go after her legally if he wins. There's no doubt that he would do everything he could to attack and punish anyone who was, in his view, an adversary, Clinton said, and he would be aided and abetted, sadly, by both elected and appointed officials. White boy Malcolm X, correct me if I'm wrong, he's been in office, what, almost four years now, and really hasn't, I mean, he's kind of trash-talked her a little bit, but he hasn't really done much. I don't know what she's, she's already she's all vexed about now. He's going to come after me if he gets reelected. 
So, of course, one of the most important accomplishments that I hope we see in this election is a Democratic Senate where that would be a check that we would need against further abuse of power, she continued. Clinton said Trump lives with this specter of illegitimacy over the 2016 election, which she lost, and she is never going to let that go. And the only reason, folks, the only reason we have a specter of illegitimacy is because who paid for the Steele dossier and the Russian collusion story? Hillary Clinton paid for that. (laughs) And now she's, you know, she's nuts. I don't think he has any boundaries at all, Kara, she said. I don't think he has any conscience. He's obviously not a moral, truthful man, so he will do whatever he can to lift himself up. And folks, she's not talking about her husband, Bill Clinton. <laughs> but she could. I mean, technically, I think she could um, She could be talking about Bill, and, you know, it kind of fits the same. I, I think this is what they call in psychology, psychiatry, I think this is what they call projection. I... You know, bless her heart. I I do feel bad for her. I, she's, I mean, she's the only reason she's pissed off is because the money dried up. The Clinton Foundation money dried up. That she's not in power, and the the Bidens are cashing in uh, because they think they're going to get in the White House. So you know, what's his name's out there? Hunter's out there. You know, vacuuming up a lot of crack and and all the money they can get. You know, it's funny. I was alive and well, and in my early twenties when when Bill Clinton was elected in nineteen ninety two. And for that eight years. And so when I see Hillary Clinton complaining about abuse and destruction of our institutions and damaging our norms and our values and lessening our leadership and then talking about, you know, the president having no conscience (laughs) and not a moral, truthful man and doing whatever he can to lift himself up. I just think of her and I think of her husband and I think of their eight years in the White House. She's going to lecture anyone about abuse and destruction of our institutions. It was, you know, the Clinton, Clinton cash um, that that originated, you know, a lot of this selling of access, and uh, you know, and and you know, the Lincoln bedroom as a as a Motel Six for 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 campaign contributors. Her lecturing anyone on any of this, like I said, it's just projection. Bless her heart. Okay, let's get to the race stuff. Yeah, you know, I I don't disagree with you, White Boy Malcolm X. He's over there. It's like. These stories are depressing. And I'm like, yeah, they kind of are. I'm, I try to find, I, I tell you what, um, you know, I don't know. I think, I think the national mood right now is just, bleh. so <laughs> the news I got this week is just kind of, I, I do have some funny stories at the end and we'll laugh, but it's all kind of, you know, nutty Alice in Wonderland crazy stuff. And well, the race pile is kind of more of the same. This is from USA Today. And before I get into this, White Boy Malcolm X, did you know that last month was not only Queer History Month, it was also Domestic Violence Awareness Month? I did not know that either. And here's the headline that gets us into that. Opinion. Antonio Brown's signing is a reminder to women of how little NFL cares about them. How very NFL to mark Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Queer History Month by welcoming Antonio Brown back to the league. While Tom Brady is counting future touchdowns and Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach Bruce Arian is salivating at the yardage his offense will pile up, I'm thinking of a few other stats, like the two women who've accused Brown of sexual misconduct, one of whom alleges he raped her, the one woman who says he pushed her, causing her to fall and get scraped up. And don't forget the eight-game suspension Brown is currently serving, based in part on intimidating texts he sent to one of the women accusing him of sexual misconduct. Think of those numbers the next time the NFL plasters pink ribbons all over its website and floods its online stores with pink merchandise. 
as if that's supposed to give the NFL a pass on continuing its abysmal treatment of what is now almost half its fan base. Time and again, the NFL has made it very clear that so long as a player can produce on the field, it doesn't matter if he beats women or degrades them when he's off it. The NFL is purely transactional, and the health, safety, and well-being of women don't figure anywhere into those equations. I mean, none of this, none of this, folks, surprises me. The NFL, which is out there with all this social justice crap, and all the uh, and as this article says, all the pink merchandise, but yet they will hire someone like like this this clown Antonio Brown. And remember, uh, white boy Malcolm X. Remember, like Michael Vick, the guy that used had like a dog fighting ring and was killing all these dogs. And they he came back. I mean, they signed him back, and he was a dog murderer. But you you can't really say anything about these folks. Why? Because they're black. And and look at. Colin Kaepernick's buddy, and I had that article, what, about a month ago, month and a half ago, one of his social justice buddies, and no one in the league was signing them, and where was Colin? Colin was out there screaming racism, and not because the guy was probably a pain in the ass to work with, just difficult, uh, but no one wanted to touch him, and what do they do? They call them a racist, so if they don't hire Antonio Brown, if they don't bring Michael Vick back, all these NFL folks and all these social justice warriors, which quite frankly, it's just one and the same. All they do is call you racist, so you might as well just buckle in so you can avoid the name-calling. So it's, It, it kind of reminds me of all those those fake liberals in Hollywood, the symbolism over substance crown, just like the NFL with their their uh, pink merchandise to show all these women's, women's activists that they, they care for them. It's, you know, the Hollywood crowd that enabled, you know, what's his name, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Everyone knew what he was doing. <laughs> Everyone knew, but no one cared because he was making them a lot of money. No one gave a crap until they didn't give a crap until they kind of had to give a crap. They were forced and dragged into it. And I actually saw a story and I didn't bother to print it because it just popped into my head. But it was about how the uh, British film industry just hasn't been the same since he's been in jail. They're like, oh, God, we missed the We missed that money. This just doesn't surprise me at all, at all. And here's more nutty because we just can't have enough enough nutty and we can't have enough articles telling us about how horrible white people are but this one folks here's the headline on this one nearly 1,000 instances of police brutality recorded in u.s anti-racism protests police attacks on citizens and journalists over five months accompanied by incidents of intolerance of or collaboration with the far right The United States is currently experiencing one of the longest continued periods of civil unrest in generations after demonstrations sparked by George Floyd's death expanded to protests against black Americans killed by police and systemic racism in the country. And I'm glad to see that The Guardian got the the, uh, systemic racism template in, in citing George Floyd's death because you cannot have a good article about systemic racism and not get that right out of the bag right in the first paragraph. Retaliation by police against civilians and the press was widely documented in the first wave of protests. But as the protests have continued, so too has the violence. There has not been a single week without an incidence of police brutality against a civilian or a journalist at a protest in the U.S. since the end of May. At least 950 instances of police brutality against civilians and journalists during anti-racism protests have occurred in the past five months, according to data collected by Bellingcat and Forensic Architecture and analyzed by The Guardian. The database shows more than 1,000 violations, including, are you ready for this, White Boy Malcolm X? Folks, you better sit down for this. 
More than 500 instances of police using less lethal rounds, pepper spray, and tear gas. I thought, white boy Malcolm X, and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought all the police did was just kind of joyride around and shoot black people all day. And here it is, they are failing at being crappy Nazis and, and, and totalitarians. 500 instances where they didn't shoot with a real bullet. And it gets worse, folks. It gets worse. 60 incidents of officers using unlawful assembly to arrest protesters. 19 incidents of police being permissive to the far right and showing double standards when confronted with white supremacists. Five attacks on medics and 11 instances of keddling. And I actually looked up, I'm like, what the hell's keddling? Oh, some sort of weird kink. But no, it's just where they kind of herd them, herd them up, which they should. Originally, the data focused on attacks on the media and almost 100. Yes, because those folks in the media are biggest pack of self-absorbed drama queens, if there ever were any. And almost 150 incidents were identified by 2 June, but the collection was expanded to include incidents involving civilians during the protests, too. The data is probably an undercount as it only contains documented and verified incidents. More than 200 incidents took place in Portland, where police spent more than $117,500 on tear gas and less lethal munitions in a six-week period from late May, according to Oregon Live. Police stocked up on rubber ball rounds, pepper spray grenades, and foam marker rounds. And as protesters held demonstrations on more than 100 consecutive nights between May and September, they repeatedly found themselves subjected to these less lethal munitions. By and large, these kind of things have been used on Mostly peaceful protests, said Heather Lynn Van Wilde, a Portland-based journalist who has covered the demonstrations for the Raindrop Works news site. It definitely does feel like it's a disproportionate use of force for what's going on in the crowd. Do we even want to dissect this white boy Malcolm X? I mean, they have not been just hanging out, mostly peaceful protesting in Portland for a hundred nights, just kind of minding their own business, just... You know, wishing George Floyd were alive and that and that systemic racism wasn't a way of life. And all of a sudden, these like Nazi police just round the corner, start just peppering them with these bullets, these uh, this pepper spray and tear gas and all this other stuff. They've been burning that city and looting that city for uh, more than 100 consecutive nights. And I don't care what Heather Lynn Van Wilde, that moron <laughs> You know, she can call it a mostly peaceful protest all, all she wants. We all know it's it's not. But I guess if you repeat the big lie long enough, people start to believe it. You know, and, and nobody says a damn word about, you know, them trying to actually burn a police building down, with barricade the police officers inside the building and try to torch it. No one says a word about that. No one says anything about all the hundreds of officers who have been injured you got a couple of federal officers out there who were blinded with these laser lights and and abc news had this story which i, I couldn't believe it actually came from them but uh it was about uh, police deaths and police deaths in the line of fire and and they were about what about three dozen through the middle of the year so we're, we're probably if you want to extrapolate that out to the end of the year beyond that by by a good bit and these people want to act like they're just hanging out and doing and doing nothing we're just minding our own business oh the police they're gonna shoot us with rubber bullets you know bs like i said this is alice this whole this whole week is just alice in wonderland stuff this is kind of crazy and i i think i gotta have to apologize because i i didn't ever i made a comment about this i've made several comments about how no one in portland ever gets in trouble 
Minneapolis BLM protester faces federal felony riot-related charge in Portland. Well, it's the feds that that went after him because, you know, that pansy-ass mayor out there, he ain't going to do a damn thing about it. And the governor out there, that idiot, is not going to do anything either. A Minneapolis Black Lives Matter protester has been federally charged by authorities in Oregon after he traveled to Portland to allegedly participate in a violent Antifa riot. (gasps) Heavens, no. I mean... We were just told, folks, by Heather Lynn Van Wild, a Portland-based journalist, that these are mostly peaceful protesters. And those, you know why, White Boy Malcolm X, is because who, who runs the feds? Donald Trump. So they're having a mostly peaceful protest. He's calling it a violent Antifa riot. But, you know, that's just Donald Trump. We just will blame him. Of course, that, you know, Heather Lynn Van Wild would, she would never, she's a journalist. Journalists don't lie, folks. They just don't, they, was, they have been mostly peaceful protests out there, not violent Antifa riots. A federal grand jury indicted 32-year-old Adrian Rubin de los Rios of Minneapolis on one count of felony civil disorder Wednesday. De Los Rios is a leftist revolutionary who protested over the death of George Floyd in his hometown. In Portland, he's accused of attacking a police station in August with a hammer. And Hey, white boy Malcolm X, look at Ruben, or Adrian Ruben here. Dead sexy. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a, a violent Antifa rioter, folks. That's all I need to tell you. On the evening of August 5th, Antifa blocked traffic outside the Portland Police Bureau's East Precinct. They tore off the wooden boards protecting the station's glass windows. A truck associated with the group also attempted to run over several officers. <gasps> no, I can't believe this is happening out there. I, I, That's not what I'm reading. According to court documents, an officer inside the building witnessed De Los Rios throw several chunks of concrete at the building's glass and strike the windows with a hammer. He was later observed dropping tinder in a trash can fire next to the front door of the police station. The criminal complaint says videos on social media also captured De Los Rios placing a wood panel through an exterior door handle to lock the door. He was also filmed allegedly ramming the building with an additional 4x4. As the mob was dispersed by law enforcement after unlawful assembly was declared, which we know, folks, is just a horrible, horrible tactic of police brutality, according to The Guardian. A cop identified De Los Rios hurling multiple baseball-sized rocks at officers who probably deserved it. De Los Rios was arrested that night by Portland police and charged with first-degree felony criminal mischief, felony riot, felony unlawful use of a weapon, attempt to commit a Class A felony, attempt to commit a Class C felony, and resisting arrest. Authorities found two rocks inside his backpack. He was quickly bailed out. Surprised they even bothered to charge him. So there you go, folks. There you go. They, this, is a, this is a little bit of a documentation on on these mostly peaceful protests and that horrible those horrible police brutality (laughs) white boy malcolm x you know you are the only fake black in my life that i know of but apparently there are more people out there than the ones we've reported on before because guess what we have another another fake black out there (laughs) Here's the headline from the Daily Caller. Another professor resigns following accusations she pretended to be non-white. Kelly Keen Sharp, which is about as white a name as you can get, so I don't know how she got past anyone, but she did, resigned Tuesday from her assistant professorship at Furman University following accusations that she pretended to be non-white, a university spokesperson said. An anonymous person outed the African-American history scholar through a Medium post, Insider High Ed reported. 
The anonymous writer said that he or she distantly knew Sharp when Sharp was in graduate school at the University of California, Davis, and that Sharp only recently began identifying as Chicana. So let me get that right. See if I get this right, white bow, Malcolm X. Kelly Keene Sharp, who is white, pretended to be Chicana so she could teach African-American history. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, folks. These, these dopey liberal white chicks who just want to be something else. And I think White Boy Malcolm X, I think this is like the third of these dopey white chicks, these fake, fake, bl- the other two I think were fake black. I'd have to, I, I'm, they don't interest me enough to dig the stories back out, but I think this is like our third one because I remember the one canceled herself and wrote this long missive about how horrible a person she was and she's right. Anyway, carrying on, Sharp reportedly formally identified herself as Chicana in her Twitter profile, which has since been removed. The Medium post includes screenshots of Sharp's tweets showing Sharp referring to her grandmother, who she calls her abuela, and describing how her abuela came to the U.S. during World War II and worked hard so I could become a teacher. The Medium post writer said that Sharp had never spoken about being Mexican before, and the writer reportedly spoke with other colleagues who were also confused and asked Sharp about her newfound identity. So there you go, white boy Malcolm X. You are not the only fake... Well, she's fake Chicana. <laughs> She didn't even, she's not even a fake Latinx. She is a fake Chicana. But you're still my favorite fake black friend. I know I shouldn't love this headline, but I kind of do. And I'm sorry, folks. BLM mob violently chases Jewish men showing solidarity at Philadelphia protest. Jewish men who said they were trying to show solidarity with Black Lives Matter protesters were violently chased away by the mob and ridiculed as being part of the synagogue of Satan, according to disturbing video posted online. The minute-long clip circulating on social media shows three men standing in the street during the protest sparked by the deadly police shooting of troubled local black man Walter Wallace. Amalek, what y'all doing down here? You don't live here, someone asked the men, referring to the Amalek tribe, which the Jewish virtual library says was the first enemy of the ancient Israelites. Y'all know we the real Jews, right, continues the raspy-voiced man, who appears to be the one filming the clip. This ain't your fight, y'all gotta go, another man tells them, and others start ganging up on them, shouting for them to leave. We're just showing solidarity, one of the Jewish men politely tells them, agreeing to leave but being surrounded and repeatedly told, get the F out. White boy Malcolm X. I'm not laughing because they're Jewish folks. I'm laughing because they're just a bunch of dopey white liberals who are like, uh, let's let's go down and let's show our solidarity with those, those black folks. <laughs> and look what they got for it. Get the F out. Damn. One of the protest group, hiding behind a full face mask, violently pushes one of the Jewish men, and several appear to follow them as the abuse continues as they leave. Philly waking up, Revolution 209, the synagogue of Satan, the man who confronted them, says as they leave. Yakov Bierman, the founder of the Jewish Future Alliance, said he spoke to one of the victims who told him he feared for his life. <laughs> I should, I'm sorry, I really should laugh. You know what the definition of a Republican, a Democrat who's been mugged? <laughs> This poor dopey kid, I guarantee he's going to be a lot more conservative now than he ever was because he's not going to go down there and go, guys, guys, I just I just want to be in solidarity with you and, and show you my, my, my true liberal nature, how much I love you black folks. I don't know what they, they hope to accomplish with, with going down there for that, but man, that backfired in a big way. This is from NPR. Disney warns viewers of racism in some classic movies with strength and label. So it is, folks, it has gone beyond Gone with the Wind. It has gone to the cartoons. 
Many people have long said certain Disney classics like Peter Pan, Dumbo, and the Aristocats contain racist stereotypes and overtones. Disney agrees. Viewers will now encounter a warning on Disney Plus when streaming those and other titles containing racist material. We can't change the past, but we can acknowledge it, learn from it, and move forward together, Disney said on its website detailing the new advisory, to create a tomorrow that today can only dream of. Disney began labeling titles with a disclaimer in November 2019, but recently strengthened the message, explicitly calling some depictions racist on its website. The new message appears before the title plays for several seconds and in the program's description. This program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures, the message reads. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. Other movies that include this warning are The Jungle Book, Lady and the Tramp, and The Swiss Family Robinson. So just to sum that up, Disney folks, Disney thinks this is absolutely horrible. Horrible racism. But they're going to keep it up because they need the money. You could say, you could probably say that Disney is like the NFL. Puerto Rico. White Boy Malcolm X, have you ever been to Puerto Rico? I I, I have too. I've, I've been, actually been a couple of times. It's, I mean, that island, it's, I'm not a big fan of like humid, muggy islands. I've been there. I've been down to like the Bahamas. But it's not it's not necessarily my scene when you, you know step out of the plane and start sweating because it's, it's that humid and, and muggy. And the beaches are nice. Don't get me wrong. And the people are absolutely f- phenomenal. The food's delicious. It, the, the poor island, though, if the, the corruption hadn't killed it off, the hurricane sure did. It's just it's a dump. I mean, it's just a complete dump, which is a shame. But anyway, Puerto Rico scrapped safe sex campaign urging people to masturbate during pandemic. Puerto Rico's health department scrapped a safe sex campaign urging people to masturbate to avoid contracting the coronavirus after conservative critics said the message rubbed them the wrong way. The public service announcement, which launched on social media Tuesday, featured an image of a thumb fondling a grapefruit next to a statement proclaiming that pleasuring oneself is the only truly safe form of sexual activity in a pandemic. And white boy Malcolm X, I have no idea, do you, what a thumb fondling a grapefruit means. Well, uh, kind of. So White Boy Malcolm X is like uh, the Call Me By Your Name, the scene where Timothy Chalamet, uh, who does gay for pay, apparently, when he had sex with the peach, which only shows how small his penis was. <laughs> but this is a thumb and a grapefruit. So you're thinking it's kind of like that. You, and Okay, now I'm not touching that anymore. I'm not touching that. I'm not touching the grapefruit. It also urged horn dogs to wash their sex toys. <laughs> along with their hands, hopefully for 20 seconds, and avoid getting frisky with anyone not living under their roof. But government health officials quickly erased the post after it went viral, explaining it had offended some observers. Officials said they didn't want the campaign's main message, which was validated by epidemiologists and other health officials, to get lost in the distraction of a potential controversy. You know, White Boy Malcolm X, I just want to see Anthony Fauci telling us not just to masturbate. (laughs) Can you see him up there? Masturbate! Masturbate! Woman allegedly posed as prosecutor dropped charges against herself. (laughs) And no, this is not from Florida, folks. A New Hampshire woman, which is the Florida of New England, allegedly posted as a prosecutor and then falsified records related to drug and stalking charges filed against her, the court document said. 
Lisa Landon of Littleton used the state's electronic system to drop the charges and submitted fake documents in three separate criminal cases last year. Wow, she is very, very busy, according to a review by the New Hampshire Union leader. Landon's plan to avoid jail went awry when a forensic examiner, who was supposed to perform a competency evaluation on her, noticed the charges were dropped. The examiner later contacted Hillsborough County prosecutors to confirm if the evaluation was still necessary, the indictment said. Landon, 33, is also accused of falsifying a judge's decision to waive a filing fee in a lawsuit she filed against the county and faked an order in a child custody case involving her child and a family member. Man, she is busy hacking those computers up there. She faces one charge of false personation and six counts of falsifying physical evidence. Her criminal past includes drug possession and stalking charges. Nothing to say on that. Billionaire accused of tormenting neighbor with Gilligan's Island theme song. (laughs) Oh, I love it when rich people fight. The beloved theme song to a classic sitcom, Gilligan's Island, isn't so catchy anymore to a pair of rich neighbors in the middle of an escalating feud in a ritzy Southern California town. Billionaire investor Bill Gross has allegedly blasted the earworm at all hours to annoy the occupants of the mansion next door in an attempt to get his neighbors to drop their complaint about an eyesore on Gross's property, according to the Los Angeles Times. Those neighbors, tech entrepreneur Mark Tufik and his wife Carol Nakahara, are now suing Gross and Gross's girlfriend, former tennis pro Amy Schwartz, claiming harassment and intentional infliction of emotional distress caused by Gross playing Gilligan's Island theme song on repeat along with other pop and rap tracks. And I am not going to bother reading the next couple paragraphs about why they're suing each other, but each couple has requested restraining orders against the others and they are required to stay 50 yards away from another. You know, this kind of reminds me, well, this does remind me of a a, a dear friend of mine. Um, He passed away recently, but he uh, used to live out in Montecito and he had a quarrel with a neighbor over, I don't even remember who knows why, but what he did was he planted these trees all along the border of the two properties because his house was between the the neighbor he was fighting with and the beach. And what he told me was he planted these things. He goes, in a couple years, they're going to grow up. They're going to fill in and completely block his view of the beach. <laughs> and it was a bunch of multimillionaires fighting over something stupid. And, and I tell you what, they get vindictive. They really do. This is from Dazed. Private school apologizes after students rap about being rich on TikTok. So maybe I should take back my hesitation about wanting to punch these kids in the face. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We don't want to. We don't want to incite physical violence here on the Miller Frost Show, even if some of these kids, quite frankly, deserve a good slap. A private school based in South Yorkshire, and so this article, folks, is for my fan base in Great Britain. And apparently, we have quite a few downloads from Great Britain, and so I like the Miller Frost Show. So I, I try to give them a little something. So hopefully, this doesn't reflect poorly on them. But anyway. A private school based in South Yorkshire has apologized for the behavior of some of its students after a TikTok they filmed featuring them rapping badly about being rich went viral and drew criticism across social media. The video, which a spokesperson for the school calls bad taste, and leave it to the British, just bad taste, that's all it is, involves the students lip-syncing to a rap over Jay-Z and Alicia Keys' Empire State of Mind, which begins with the lyrics, this one goes out to all my chaps and chapettes with a fat trust fund. Unsurprisingly, Things don't get much better from there. Everyone's rich, everyone's posh. The students rap about their school. You're at a private school, the posh version of education. There's nothing you can't flex. Accompanied by visuals of the students flexing, 
Think wads of cash, pinstriped suits, Burberry, and showing off the school's crest. The TikTok rap ends with the lyrics, We live off daddy's money. There's nothing we can't buy. We all vote conservative, conservative, conservative. (laughs) And that's where the real problem is. In response to widespread criticism, the school says in a statement, Regrettably, a small number of our sixth-form students have posted a video online which was filmed at our school. Albeit, we understand the video was intended to be a satire of a currently very popular TikTok challenge. We feel it is in bad taste. A spokesperson for the school, which charges fees of just under £14,000 a year, adds, claiming that it in no way reflects the wonderful community of Hill House School, either in tone or in demographic. So, folks, we got another generation of little douchebags running around. You, you know, White Boy Michael Max, I mean, since you're trust fund rich, you are truly trust fund rich, you might appreciate this. But I, I question how rich they really are. Because let's face it, they're only, the school they go to is really, it's only 14,000 pounds for the full year. It's only 7,000 pounds, you know, a semester or what have you. I mean, that to me doesn't spell rich. That's not like Swiss boarding school rich. That's just, this to me is maybe maybe upper middle class rich. But they're still douchebags. There's still little douchebags. This is from Variety. Love Island, set for French-language Canadian version. And I've never watched Love Island. Have you watched Love Island? No. Well, yeah, I know that White Boy Malcolm Beck is over there about hunky boys, but I'm like, yeah, I don't, that, no. ITV Studios' smash hit reality format, Love Island, is finally getting a localized version in Canada. Canada's Quebec core content has commissioned a French-language version of the program, which marks its 19th local adaptation. The franchise recently announced commissions in Spain, Nigeria, and Italy. Now, that would be interesting. Nigerian Love Island. And when they're not making love, they're sending (laughs) Americans fake emails. Love Island features a group of single islanders who come together in a spectacular setting, ready to embark on a summer of love, friendships, and ultimately relationships. Every few days, the islanders must couple up, and those who fail to find a partner are at risk of being evicted from the island. Ultimately, one couple gets the opportunity to leave with a relationship and a cash prize. You know, White Boy Malcolm X, I'm not even going to bother to read the rest of the article, but <laughs> I just see this image. It's it's the French-Canadian version. <laughs> so I just figure it's a bunch of gay guys. <laughs> and, these, and these poor women, you know, because, you know, the boys are all going to hook up with each other because they're French and they're Canadian, they're Quebecois, whatever they call themselves. And so all the women are going to be sitting around because they have to hook up or they're going to get thrown off the island. So it's like the women are like, what am I supposed to do? All the men are screwing each other. Honey, I don't know what to tell you. I guess you can go to Puerto Rico and masturbate. Two more stories, and they're both from Floridians. Cops. Woman turned over bag of junk meth, which is kind of like the story we had last week of the woman who threw the meth bag out her car door and it accidentally hit the cop. But this one actually just turned it in. Floridian, 52, faces felony narcotics possession rap. After purchasing a bag of methamphetamine, a Florida woman, of course, turned the narcotics over to police because it was junk, according to an arrest report. Investigators allege that Beth Ann Franchek, 52, provided the meth to a sheriff's deputy Thursday afternoon at her residence in St. Pete Beach. Franchek, cops say, told the deputy that she purchased $20 worth of methamphetamine and would like to turn it over to the police because it was junk. Seen above. Yeah, she is a meth junkie, white boy Malcolm X. That she is. Franchek handed the cop a small plastic bag containing about a quarter gram of a white crystal-like substance resembling methamphetamine. 
A subsequent test came back positive for meth. Franchek was arrested for possession of a controlled substance, a felony. She was booked into county jail, from which she was released late Thursday night on a $2,000 bond. <laughs> Keeps getting better. According to court records, Franchek's rap sheet includes a pair of convictions for violating a domestic violence protection order. So kind of a weak rap sheet, all things considered. In Florida. Can you see this woman? My meth! My meth is bad! I need good meth! I need the good meth! Poor meth junkie. Last story from the smoking gun. Man arrested after calling 911 to alert authorities about alien invasion. Meet James Florent, the 28-year-old... What? Oh, white boy Malcolm X. I am not going to say anything about the name Florent sounding like it's from Louisiana. (laughs) Because he's from Florida. So don't even start trouble with the summer mystery. She's not happy with you in your comment last week. Anyway, I'm just telling you. I'm just saying it right now. The 28-year-old Florida man was arrested. James Florent is that man. Was arrested early yesterday, and he is from Florida, folks. He is not from Louisiana, for misuse of the 911 system after he placed a bizarre 1.45 a.m. call to the police emergency line. Florent told an operator that he was seeing aliens, little ones, flying low to the ground, according to an arrest affidavit. Well, I know who got the good crystal meth. <laughs> I mean, if if what's her name here? Where is she? Beth Ann Franchek. If Beth Ann got the crappy meth, this dude, he got the good stuff, let me tell you. The Vero Beach resident added that he did not want to go Independence Day on them, an apparent reference to the movie starring Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, and Bill Pullman. Florent, who is from Florida, not from Louisiana, is locked up on a $500 bond on the misdemeanor charge. His rap sheet, because in Florida, everyone's got a rap sheet, includes convictions for battery, theft, and probation violation. So there. And after two stories, back-to-back, on, well, one's definitely on crystal meth. The other one, I, he's probably, he's, gone, he's on something. Anyway, we're just going to, we can't top it, so let's just go ahead and close down the show. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for, for joining us on today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. Remember, I forgot to say this earlier, my email is miller at millerfrostonline.com. If you want to get hold of me, good or bad or different, I, I don't care. We, we do love the fan mail here. Uh, have a great uh, rest of your weekend and start your week, and we will see you back here next Sunday. Take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.